Chicago hard, Chicago hard, Chicago hard. Up and into them, right from the start of the game. Chicago State of Mind. We are a Chicago sports podcast from the perspectives of three Southside guys with an unapologetic Chicago bias. If this city could talk, it would say Chicago versus everybody. I'm DC. I'm A Dub. Press. Fellas, what's good? Good to hear from you, brother. How was those travels, bruh? Travels were five star. <laughs> And have five-star accommodations, like I was saying before we jumped on. Made a rookie mistake. It was just my second time in Vegas. Last year was my first during the pandemic, so got a good uh, idea of what Vegas really should be. But uh, but we'll we'll adjust those travel accommodations next go around. Yes, sir. And then um, we're gonna have to be a part of that equation next time, A Dub, because we got left out of the loop on this one. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we did, man. Hey, man, ready to vibe with you guys. Yes, sir, man. We, we Let's get this one in, man, before that finals game starts tonight. I don't know what you guys thought about the game one, but Chris Paul was cooking out there, boy. Mercy. He put on a clinic. That's that mid-range clinic, right, DC? Oh, yeah. It's coming back. It should have never left, if I'm being honest. Should have never left. Analytics, bro. Everybody want to shoot these damn threes. I'm like, this guy's showing you right here how he's effective in that mid-range. And he got deep book on that shit, too. Book is effective, man. Book is 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 starting to to really elevate his game playing next to Chris Paul. I mean, he's been doing it all year, though. But I mean, in this finals, I only see Book doing better and better and better. You know, he's he's only gonna stamp his legacy. Yes, sir, man. I can't wait for game two here tonight. Before we get into this episode, audience, we would love for you guys to join us on the Craven app. So we have our own exclusive community. You can join us by using our exclusive code Chicago Versus, and it's available on Android and Apple applications. Come vibe with us, fellas. I know you guys saw some of those comments that Rick Mahorn made last week about the Bulls and MJ. I feel like Rick Mahorn needs to let it go. Some people just need to pass <laughs> in the past and let it go, man. Come on, grudges. You said we do a grudges in 2021? <laughs> oh, man. The one thing, Prez, I will say about that is since the last dance that came out, it had actually reopened some old wounds. And you've heard from a lot of these guys who played in Detroit what they got to say. And whenever they get a chance to speak on something like that or ask a question, it, it comes out, right? It comes out with how they feel about the Bulls, how you feel about MJ, how you feel about these guys. And it, <laughs> what they try to portray is that, hey, we're soft. We're soft. We're, we're still being soft. We're still being, what, sensitive, right, about the situation and that we the ones need to move on. But as you can see, they haven't moved on either. They they relish this year. They're waiting to hear someone bring it up, ask a question about it, and they go in for the kill when every time it's brought up about the Chicago Bulls and what happened with them against us when they walked off on us, friends, and how they used to, you know, beat us up a little bit, right, and uh, through that time frame. So it's just, he's going to continue to say these kind of things, and I don't think he's going to let it go. So, I, and, and that's a hell of a point. I, I'm, I'm with DC on, on people with these grudges, man. Rick Mahorn out here, what, he probably about a 50, 60-year-old man, and he's still out here bitter about something that happened in the late 80s, early 90s. Yeah. And he wasn't even on that damn team with the walk-off. So why he got his chest poked out so much? You weren't even on that squad, Rick. <laughs> Good point. You know, so that's that's what I was wondering about. But no, you you guys are both right. It's just interesting when you see that these guys are still holding on to these grudges after all these years later. Listen, the Bulls, we took their loans from the Pistons. I got no love loss when it comes to Isaiah Thomas. I forgot a long time ago that he's from Chicago. As far as I'm concerned, Isaiah, it is what it is, bro. I'm never going to look at you like you're a Chicagoan. You ain't going to never get that D-Rose love from me or Dwayne Wade love. You're not going to get none of that from me. 
So I can, I guess I'm a guilty that two DC were having a little grudge. I feel like mine is warranted. Mine is warranted. <laughs> they lost. They took that L fair and square, man. You know, like just, just let it go. I mean, like you, you got to think about it too. It's been what, how many years? 30 years coming up, right? Yep. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, they, they, they really got to let that die. Just, just put it to bed. Well, here's the deal though, fellas. That's the only thing that keeps some of those guys relevant. Oh, you know, talk to him. Rick Mahorn, Bill Lambeer. Who cares about those two guys? They weren't great players. And we, they, we talk about what I like Isaiah Thomas or Michael Jordan. They weren't those kind of guys. So with them being out the scene, what keeps them relevant? Talking about Chicago and how things you know uh, went between us and them. Other than that, that's nothing to talk about with those guys, right? Because there isn't anything. In Rick Mahorn's words, when they asked him about the Bulls and, and, and Michael Jordan, he said, fuck them. So I guess <laughs> I'm going to put the same energy back to Rick Mahorn, Lambeer, Sally, and I know he played for the Bulls, but Pistons as a whole, fuck y'all too. That's just the way I see it. <laughs> Dennis, Dennis, Rodman, Dennis Rodman, you cool. I, I, I'm going to take you out of that equation. You cool. But I ain't going to lie to y'all. When, when Dennis Rodman, when, when they first brought him here, I was a little on the fence about that move. But uh, Dennis Rodman, he he grew on me, man. I got no problem with the worm. But the rest of them dudes, no, I'm sh- no. I'm with you, Prince. Warren, my guy, too, man. The Warren's always giving MJ and Scotty their props, even as of today. So, the Warren, we're on the same page here, brother. I got nothing but respect for you. The other guys, like Prince talking about, the Lambeer, Mahorn, you guys got some problems, man. And, and I'm not feeling you guys. So, and then nothing's going to change with that because guess what? You all relish the opportunity to speak on it. I'm going to relish my opportunity as well. Hey, I don't rock with you guys. And to quote the great Gucci man, Sour apple bitter bitches. I ain't fucking with them. So, <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> that's just my my two cents on it. Whew, that was a nice one right there. You know what the other thing about this? They asked Rick Mahorn if he watched The Last Dance. And he was like, nah. He said, I wouldn't give a damn or a hell what Michael Jordan did. He said, we whooped that ass. And that's all that matters. That was some hating shit right there, too, because... He probably mad that our documentary on the Bulls run was better than that trash 30 for 30 that the Pistons had. That shit was the most boring 30 <laughs> for 30 I've ever seen in my life. Have y'all ever fallen asleep on the 30 for 30? Because I'm telling you, this was some bad ones. But that Pistons one was worse as anyone I've seen. I enjoyed the damn Tour de France one more than that Pistons one. And that ain't hate. That's absolute facts. There was nothing exciting about that team. There's nothing exciting about the city of Detroit. That shit was boring. That stadium was trash. Their fans were trash. Everything was trash about that 30 for 30. Shoot your shots, Prince. Shoot them shots, man. To see <laughs> if melatonin were a documentary, it would be Pistons 30 for 30. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> that 30 for 30 came and went. That's it. It's gone. We're still today talking about the last dance. That's right. I mean, we talked about last week with Scotty Pippen still upset about the last dance. That documentary was so good, you got a grown man over here in this feeling still after all this time, drinking <laughs> that digits bourbon. Scotty over here hurting. You know what? The last dance is to Debo what the Pistons 30 for 30 is to Stanley. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> That's a good one. Do you see that I'm playing around, man, today? <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Hey, listen, we ain't playing with y'all, Detroit. Y'all be pl- y'all been playing on Chicago name too long. Man, I ain't seen these cats on Twitter making all these comments talking about the Bulls overrated, talking about they didn't have to go through the East when it was hard. I'm sitting up here like, who the hell did we not? Who do we duck? We faced all them damn teams and we yeah. beat them all. Who do we duck? It ain't like we was like the the LeBron James Cleveland Cavaliers when they was playing cupcake teams to get to the finals. Right now. That conversation. They ain't ready for that conversation. But if this city could talk and it tell these people to put some respect on these damn bulls. Yeah. Our, our boys, man, they, they came out there for as, you know, our bulls. We grew up, you know? And the thing is, what I wish Detroit would see in our bulls is like, man, we saw MJ and those guys, man, really grow up from what they think when they first played against us to them playing against us a few years down the road. So you look at them from that from that year, the first year. To the third or fourth year, you can see a huge difference, man. So I would think guys like them would want to, you know, uplift guys like MJ and Scotty and say, congratulations, you guys grew up. Absolutely. And when we think about it, 
all jokes aside, I give the Pistons credit for their two championships. But the way they went about doing it is completely wrong. I mean, they're not winning any sportsmanship awards, anything like that. That was a piss poor display of, of how you show respect to your opponent whooping that ass. So, again, like to A-Dub's point, the Bulls grew up. That's why we are revered worldwide. The Chicago Bulls is a worldwide brand. I don't see anybody throwing parties in the streets for the Pistons getting the number one pick this year. Woohoo! Whoop de doo! Great job. See you <laughs> next year. I just feel sorry for Kate Cunningham, and he got to go live in Detroit. But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how long he lasts there. Hey, but you know what though? He's still about to be rich. So shout out to you, Kate. That's true. Well, with that. In mind, right? So Kate Cunningham's one of the, the top prospects here in this draft. You guys saw the news that the NCAA is now allowing the athletes to profit and benefit off of their name, image, and likeness. Fellas, talk to them. What are your thoughts on this? And how do you see this impact in the NBA in the future? Man, Perez, I think this can make some major impacts. Now the fact that these young guys can get paid off their name and their brand, right? Actually being celebrities, they can get paid off that. So that opens up a lot of opportunity. And you never know how that might impact or sway the draft, right? Because you know they want to put butts in the seats, right? You know how that go. They, they, they want to get the guy, the next star, the next player who's going to shine. So that could play a major part in that, man, of branding. When you think about just the history of the NCAA, they have used players' talents and abilities and just natural personalities to just put themselves on a pedestal so high. And now you start to see that pedestal starting to come down a little bit to where there's now more power to the people, as it always should have been. So my thoughts on it is it's about damn time. And for what the this generation is going to bring in terms of just charisma and just sheer, you know, the ferocity of it. Like they, they're gonna go not just go for the bag, they're going for the ball. Okay, they go on in there. <laughs> Blow it up, give me the money. You know, I don't care if it's if it's 20k, 30k, whatever it is. They could just get, you know, free meals at, at, at In and Out Burger, you know, <laughs> McDonald's or whatever. Like, I don't care. You know, these kids deserve it. They they they've worked hard. They're not kids, they're young, young men and women. So kudos to to finally, you know, allowing this to happen. And one thing too, when it comes to this. People used to always come and talk to me about student athletes and how they have a scholarship and they're getting free room and board. Well, as a former collegiate athlete that was on a scholarship, that's just all bullshit. I had a room and board scholarship and I had like $7 in my pocket each week. And so that's the thing that no one talks about, about these athletes not being able to have a job not be able to make money off of their name, image, and likeness in back in the day. But then these colleges are able to not only make money off of the players' images, but they were selling jerseys of the players. They were making all kind of money off these kids coming and doing appearances on behalf of the university. Meanwhile, most of the time, the players, shit, you go back to your hometown and you still in your same fucked up predicament. So for me, when I look at this name, image, and likeness, this is huge, man. So many of these players come from adverse backgrounds. And you don't know the type of conditions that these players, are, that their families are living in. So the fact now that these players are going to be able to use their image, publicity, to sell a product, right? So like to DC said, whether it's a bar or a restaurant or whatever the brand may be, this is going to be cash flow that they're going to be able to use to better their lives and to better the situations for their family. And I think that that's really important. You got to think about it too. Not every college athlete pans out to the professional level. Right. So if you can somehow get a, a boost or a head start in just using their name and their likeness and translate that to something else in life, that's something more than what we've been able to say in, in history with the NCAA. Yeah, definitely. Good point there, DC, and also good point, prayers. But on the NBA side of it, man, what the NBA is probably going to look at is really with these players who are coming into the draft, they're probably going to look at, man, their marketing stock, right? looking at their branding and how these guys have been capitalizing financially, you know, before being drafted. And you got to think about it. Does that play a part in who you draft, who come out? Are you going to draft guys based on that status for us? Who's um, one of those guys like that? Or are you going to look at those who are not? It, that could play a part in it, right? Who's who's ready? And then as an NBA, you can look at, the, okay, maybe I can tap into this kid, you know, who can look into many different opportunities for us 
from a uh, financial standpoint, again, putting more fans in the seats because they're celebrities, for them being a celebrity, you can now market not only these new guys coming in, because, you know, a lot of role players don't always get the, they don't get the pub as some of these stars get. But now with this door opening up, press, it may open the door for more of these young guys now who may not be the star to now get that opportunity. Well, so one point there. So that, that's an interesting point that I want to just kind of dig into here for a second. So one piece of that, what I really agree with you on is the fact that I do think NBA teams are going to look at how some of these players are marketing themselves. I think agents are also going to be able to see, man, this is an athlete that already did these things on their own. This is somebody that, that if we get him in our agency, we're going to really be able to you know, up their profile. So that part, right. I definitely agree with you on. Now, the other aspect that I was going to say, and I want our audience to think about, is most of the top 10, 15 players in the draft or the top 15 picks, these guys already, the NBA teams are already looking at these guys anyway. So I don't think that's going to change their draft process when it comes to these people. But I think what you're going to see is you're going to see a lot of these teams figuring out ways of how they can market the players and how they can up their franchise's value as well. The other thing that I wanted to get you guys to thought on when it comes to the NBA is we see how this transfer portal has taken over the NCAA, especially this current offseason. So we've seen guys that have withdrawn from the draft that have gone back to school now after this name image likeness has been approved. So now you have guys that have said, you know what, I'm going to let the NBA wait another year because now I can stay in school, right? Now I have that pressure of going into the business world per se in the NBA. I can go to class, still do my thing, hoop. But now I can make a couple hundred thousand dollars. So that's the part for the NBA that I wonder, are you going to have more and more players maybe decide to stay in school maybe an additional year where and before those guys are like, no, I need that money. I'm going into the draft. Excellent. Man, Prince, hit on something deep right there, man. The thing is with that, Prince, I like what you touched on because now it gives this gives the kids now an opportunity to develop, Prince. A lot of times we see these kids rush out mm-hmm. of uh, college and go straight to the NBA and we know they're not quite ready. They're going to need a few more years to get to that point. And then some of them get thrown down to a different league, G League, and, and then may not even come up out of that, you know? So this gives the kids now a chance to earn some money and stay in school and work on those skills that, that they need to develop to be ready for the NBA. That was on the money right there, bro. You think about it, too, in, in this regard, it's going to elevate both organizations. It's going to elevate the NBA. It's going to elevate the NCAA because... Mm-hmm. It's that big man on campus effect. You know, a guy's usually, uh, like, let's just say a superstar player touted to go number one, number two in the draft. Well, what if he's there till his senior year? What if he gets that full college experience? What if he gets his degree? What if he gets his full education and he's still making money in the process? And then by the time he's ready to go to the league, now you're inserting a superstar type caliber player to elevate one of those bottom feeder teams more immediately, with more of a immediate impact, with more of a, a community impact, with more of a, a mature mindset coming into the league. Because look at a guy, we talked about Denzel uh, Valentine last week. He was a guy that stayed uh, a little bit longer in college. Mm-hmm. How has that translated to the NBA level? When you look at these players now, the draft has a lot of guys that have been in, in the college for maybe one or two seasons. And that's pretty much what you're seeing from the top 20 picks or so. Generally, the four-year college guys, we don't see them drafted in the first round. A lot of times, those guys are like drafted in the second round. So maybe, you know, we'll see a situation where some of these guys may get a little bit more recognition. I don't know. But I do see benefits like what you guys both mentioned in the fact that both leagues are going to benefit. The NBA, you're going to have better products. So hopefully you may have more seasoned players that are more developed. So they're not using the NBA to develop their skill set. And then for the NCAA, now that the players are being compensated, now you feel good about supporting the NCAA. Because before that, I was kind of looking at the NCAA like, fuck them, man. They're over here getting free labor from these kids in the name of a scholarship. So now the NCAA tournament, the product that they're going to be putting out there on the court is going to be better because now you're going to have players that now are going to return for that sophomore year instead of going pro after their freshman year. And that guy's going to probably be the face of the university. They're going to probably dominate. So I see benefits there, guys. Yeah, you see a lot of great benefits with that, Perez. But one thing I've always had a challenge with, Perez, I've always had a, a tough spot for is seeing a lot of these kids get drafted after one year. To me, I think that some of these kids do need to stay in school a bit longer than a lot of the ones who I've seen come out the past. We look at the past five or six years now, Perez. We can go back further than that. You can see so many guys that got drafted 
as freshmen, and you can see that they didn't pan out to where you want them to be. So for me, I just love to see these kids stay again, stay in school a bit longer, earn some money where they can, get their stock up, still make money and focus in on school and that stuff versus focus on responsibility that I got to take care of my family and all that stuff right away at 18, 19 years old. I want to give these kids a chance to be kids. That's fair because not everybody's Trey Young. For, for every Trey Young, you got a Wendell Carter Jr. Right. <laughs> and I meant that with my whole entire being. <laughs> uh, speaking of the Chicago Bulls, guys, so one thing that I'm really happy about is we talked about last up, couple episodes, we talked about our top four pick in the draft last year, Pat Williams. Definitely very excited to see him develop here in Chicago and see what he's going to be able to do for us in the future. But he was selected to the select team, and that's going to be that team that's going to be working with Team USA. And I was really high on this experience for him because not only does that give him an opportunity to be around some of the game's best, but now it also gives him the ability to see what he should be doing in and out of the game, habits, work ethic-wise. And also, too, one of the things about Pat Williams' game that frustrated me last year was that he would pass up open shots. I guarantee you in those practices on the select team, he ain't around guys that's passing up open shots. They taking that shit. So I think that this opportunity for him is going to be really awesome. But I want to get you guys' thoughts on Pat Williams being on the select team. Whereas I'm fired up about this because when you think about what mentorship can do for blossoming young talent, I'll, I'll throw you your flowers, man. You know, in a professional world, you took me under your wing, man, and you unleashed the animal in me. And it was, <laughs> so just imagine the type of advice that that a KD is, is is putting in his ear, you know, a Kevin Love, you know, like just imagine. Like guys that's been there, won gold medals, just pulling this kid aside because because it wasn't too long ago where KD was raving about this kid, mm-hmm. you know. And then not just from a player's perspective, think about the coaching that he's gonna be sponged to. He's he's got he's got Steve Kerr there. He's got like a up and coming coach like a uh, Ime Udoka who's now Boston's head coach. Roy Pierce, like he's got all these other voices now, so he doesn't just have to listen to Billy Donovan anymore. He's that's now. True. A lot of those things that Billy was was saying, they're they're starting to resonate now because other coaches are saying it, other players are saying it. So just from a long term perspective, look out for Patrick Williams to be on the USA men's roster, possibly twenty twenty four. You you just don't know how soon this kid can reach his his potential, but in an environment like this, it, he's on the fast track. And also, don't forget about Eric Spolstra as well as another coach that he's going to have that exposure to. So, you know, great points, uh, DC. Man, it's true. DC hit a lot with that, Perez, and I totally agree with them. But one thing you, you learn from going to, to the you know to the select team or playing for the USA team, you learn something from experience. It's not just soaking it all up, but you actually learn something, Perez. I mean, you add something new to your game, right? You understand how people practice, how they work hard, right, how they work out. These are things you pick up, right? The, the work ethics from these different individuals that you're, that you're playing with. And I think Pat is going to learn a lot from these guys, not only about their game, but how they elevate their game offensively, but also how to maintain that, how to take care of your body better, right? Because you're out there with veterans who can teach you a lot of different things of that nature. So I think for Pat, this is going to be a golden opportunity, man. He gets a chance to challenge himself defensively against these guys as well. He also gets a chance to, again, steal some things that he adds to his toolkit. No, it's a fair point, A-Dub. And one thing, too, that backs up the points that both of you guys made is the fact that when the media asked uh, Pat Williams about his approach to these select practices, he said, simple, be a sponge. He said that's his model for this camp and for the entire summer. And that's one of the things that Zach Levine has raved about this kid, basically just saying that that's what he saw from him during his current, you know, this most recent NBA season. And Zach Levine, he's also a select team alum. And now he's going to be working directly with Pat Williams. And now that's the relationship between the two of them that's only going to get stronger. And I think that's a point that a lot of people aren't talking about, guys. Very good point there, Perez. And I think that's going to open up some things for those two relationship-wise on the court, Perez. You think about that now. Now we start to get even better chemistry. I'm starting to see from a Zach Levine, I'm starting to see, you know, um, his development. Where he's growing at, his jump shot, his moves, right? The way he's able to get open, what, the way he's shooting, you know? These are things that we can learn together from a chemistry standpoint. And that will actually insert Pat Williams more in the offense for us. So I think I want to see him shoot more often. So I want to be a little bit more aggressive. I think this kind of thing helps with that camaraderie. Absolutely. 
I mean, that was one of the points that I touched on earlier where Pat Williams was hesitating, not shooting shots when they were there. And I think that he's yep. going to be around guys that have that killer instinct, around guys that have won winning, that have made winning shots, right? That have won at the highest of levels. DC brought up KD's name. Can you imagine the, the knowledge and just the habits that he'll be able to soak in? So Pat Williams thought about being a sponge. I'd be following KD around like a creep if I was Pat Williams. Man, not just follow him around, Perez, but want to guard him. I mean, think about what Scottie Pippen having to guard Michael Jordan in practice. You could have seen the guard KD. Hey, man, enjoy that. Relish that. I am am Chopper's iron, right? (laughs) And then you look at it, too. You know, some guys use the summer and, you know, like they they work on a little bit of their game here, but they do it privately. They do it quietly. So, again, to Adel's point, now he's, he's essentially hitting a growth spurt in basketball IQ. You know, he's like not many players from his class, at least, have this experience. So just so he may not have gotten rookie of the year or uh, first uh, team all all rookie. But next year is his comeback. It's comeback season. It's take back season. He's like, look, I'm coming for what was right for mine. So he <laughs> separate himself a little bit in his class and, and, and really hit a strong sophomore season if he uses it and applies it the right way. No, that's that's a great point, too. And then to touch back on the Zach Levine aspect with Zach Levine being an Olympian, right, and being on that senior team, as they call it. Now I'm expecting to see Zach Levine come back in this 2021 season, showing more of that leadership, right, taking his game to an even higher level because now he's going to also be able to benefit being around some of these top players in the game. So I see nothing but benefits for both of those players being in this mix. And also, too, Zach Levine now getting his name on that level with some of these other guys as well. So it's, it's going to be nothing but benefits and dividends for the Bulls in this upcoming season. Superstar calls. I can't tell you how many times Zach Levine drove to the basket and did not get to the free throw line. Tall, mm, tall. Pierce is going to let the referees know, like, no, Zach's on that level. He's an Olympian. Potentially a future gold medalist. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So another Bull, and I mean, we, we, we got so much to talk about with this team. Your boy Sato. I don't know if you guys saw, but he had a game-winning shot, and they beat the heavy favorites, uh, Canada. And now you have another Bulls player that is getting that experience on the on the big stage here. So I just see nothing but benefits from these guys, not only just playing ball during the summer, but playing ball at this high competitive level. What what were you guys there on Sato uh, and what he's done uh, so far in the offseason, but also, too, his prospects for the 2021 season? Sato's going to be a great addition off the bench i still don't feel like he's got what it takes to lead a team but you can see that you know he's up his game a little bit and i don't know if it's because he's playing for his country possibly playing against lesser competition but he's he might not be a big dog in the yard but i Sato got a little bit of dog so yeah, he does <laughs> people forget in that game against Canada, he has some sneaky hops, man. He he came in with some inside stuff. No one <laughs> but he <laughs> he's gonna bring something to the table. Um, another year under Billy Donovan that's only going to to add value to the team. He's really our only playmaker at this point. But if the rumors are true, if we get Alonzo Ball, now you've got a starter and a point guard coming off the bench that's over six six. What other team could say that? That's a hell of a point. I do like Sato, man. I think um, what he's doing right now is pretty much preparing himself for a, a very good season in the NBA, man. And I think uh, coming off the bench will definitely benefit him for sure. But I think with him doing this now, right now, you know, Prez, how he's playing right now, it's always a good thing. This helps you add to your game, man. Get your confidence up, right? Because I know sometimes you play during the season, you don't have the workload, you're playing with other guys. And now it's time for you to get into a good rhythm when you play by yourself without those guys. So in this case here, Perez, I'm playing for his country and doing those things. This is going to help him be prepared uh, more so for the season by actually getting himself in a very good rhythm. No, that's a good point. And, and over the course of that four-game tournament, he put up some really good numbers. And to DC's point, Sato has some sneaky athleticism. And so when you look at the guy, you wouldn't expect it, but the guy has some athleticism. And so uh, occasionally you'll see him do something. You'll be like, damn, Sato. So no, you guys are right about the, both of the points that you made. And he was the MVP for their part of the tournament. So really big shout out to him. And also their group for the uh, for the Olympics, they're actually going to play against the U.S. So you're going to see Sato going up against 
Zach. So I think that would be kind of cool as well. Without yeah, a doubt. Yeah, learning in session, man. That's called learning right there, Perez. Get it all in session right there, man. We're able to continue to grow. And I think that's going to help them out. Like I said, getting ready, going against these guys here, these stars on the USA team, getting that chance. I mean, that's a lot for him, right? So now we're talking about not just two guys, Perez, who's going to learn some things and be pretty good coming to the season. He has a shot, too, to elevate his game now by going through this process. I just wonder if Zach gives him that that Jordan Pippen treatment that, that they gave the cool coach. Back in the day. <laughs> well, see, you you know where that was coming from. Uh, Scotty and Mike was in their feelings when they came to Tony. So you know how when people when they when they feelings hurt, <laughs> things get personal. I don't know if Zach got them kind of feelings for Sato, but it'll be interesting to see what happens, man. <laughs> right. <laughs> hey, I, I think friends for um, you know, I think he should just Zach should just think of him as as as, as um, competition for sure, you know, and to also try to help him out, right? You want to see your teammate, you know, grow, right? This is a chance to where you can push them around a little bit, whatever, play a little physical with them if need be. Just to let them know that, hey, I want you to come back better than you were last season. It'll be interesting to see. And we're going to transition to the Chicago Bears here. But speaking of a guy here that we're wondering if he is going to take any parts of his game to the next level is one Nick Foles. So obviously Matt Nagy brought him in here last season. We were told that he was going to be the guy that was going to compete with Mitch and he was going to be our starting quarterback candidate. But we all know how that went. We're not going to retrace that here on this show. But, fellas, I want to get your thoughts on Nick Foles. Do you think he's going to be on this 2021 roster? And the reason why I ask this question is Nick Foles is set up to be the highest-paid third-string quarterback in the NFL, making $6.7 million this upcoming season. Seems like an expensive luxury. Talk to him. We can't find a suitable trade for him, Press. He's on his team. What I see right now, I haven't seen a lot of interest in Nick Foles. I see a couple of things they probably could go to. But the thing is, I don't see him going anywhere, Press. I think we might be stuck with him. So from that standpoint, Press, mm. he may have to be a highly paid number three on our team who's going to be there to try to mentor, fuels a little bit while he's on the sideline, waiting to get his chance. And then we're going to have to wait this thing out. But right now, Press, I, I just don't see some, a lot of teams that have that much Interested, want to have him as that, even as that number two. There's only a few teams like that. Agree, I agree, A Dub. And to me, this may be a, a controversial take right here, but Nick Foles is better than Andy Dalton in my eyes, at least when it comes to money time, winning time. You know, so I don't, I don't, I don't see him uh, being on another roster unless a team is desperate. You know what I mean? Like, let's just say, you know, a team starting quarterback goes down and they, they need a guy like Nick Foles to, to come in and, and replace and just kind of, you know, right the ship for a little while. It's a high price to pay for him to eight ups point, but he's not going anywhere, at least for the short term. Yeah. And you know what? Um, I, I want to piggyback off of that point that you just made there, DC. So in one instance, I think that he's probably will be on this roster. However, I think if the Bears can't find a trading partner for him, there's no way you cut this guy. There's no benefit for it salary cap-wise, and Justin Fields will be able to benefit from having that guy in the quarterback room with him. However, DC's point about injuries, we know that injuries can strike at any particular time. So the Bears could be in a really good situation if some team loses their quarterback, right? Now you have Nick Foles, who, to DC's point, has won big games, big pressure games, right? He has that nickname that I don't, still don't necessarily agree with, but it is what it is. But he has won the big one. He's won big games. So Nick Foles could be a, an intriguing name if a team has an injury. Or if you look at a team like the Tennessee Titans, they got Ryan Tannehill's their number one, but they have no clear-cut number two. So that's the team that I think about and say, maybe they may look to making a move like that. Or the Cowboys with your boy Dak. We saw how that injury derailed their whole entire season. So there are some teams out there who could benefit from having a guy like that. But I think at the offset of it, guys, I, I agree with both of you guys. I don't see him uh, leaving the team. I think he'll be on this roster in 2021. Yeah, and the thing is, Chris, if the Bears have to trade him, you're right. I wouldn't mind seeing some other teams desperate. <laughs> I would love to see that because now we have opportunity to you know, dictate the terms now, what we want to do, what we want to get out of it. So I would love to see a Bears, the Bears in that kind of a situation. Because you remember early on, Chris, it looked like we were desperate for the whole getting fields thing, right? We looked desperate for a quarterback. We were trying anything to get a great one. And no one pulled the plug, right, on, the, on those teams, you know? So now it's like, hey, if you all need something from us, 
we want to we want to use take the full advantage of that opportunity, man, and get what we need to, and let them you know overprice for that person or spend the extra money trying to get them. Well, I'll just say this though: still remember at the end of the day that this is Nick Foles that we're talking about. So yeah, we might be able to get rid of him, but I don't think we're gonna be dictating anything. They're gonna be like, "Listen, we're gonna give you a six round draft pick. You're gonna take it or leave it." <laughs> <laughs> hey, good point, friends. Good point, man. You right, they, still Nick Foles. They gonna say, "Take this six round draft pick and a pack of cools and get the fuck out of my face." That's what right, right. <laughs> it's gonna be you on it or not. Exactly right, <laughs> but no, I mean, I, I think you guys more very valid, valid points there. Did you guys hear that uh, the Bears were trying to move him to uh, to Philadelphia to be a potential backup to Jalen Hurts, but Foles turned down the, the trade because you know he has a uh, that clause in his contract, so he said, "Nope, I don't want to go back to Philly." <laughs> hey, Foles have no interest in going back there, man. The team kind of changed around a little bit since then. And they're going through, like I said, a little transition period press. So I don't think he wants to deal with all that, right? Kudos to him. He feels like he has a better opportunity here in Chicago by just, hey, being a backup here. And they're nowhere near that point as of today. So I'm not mad at Foles. But the thing is, he got some of his contract to exercise. He can do it. He ain't going to see the field here in Chicago. So he should be open to any opportunity where he's going to be a number two quarterback versus being a number three. Because there is no way he's going to play. And if, if we see Nick Foles out there playing a meaningful football game, then we are all in trouble. And you better put me on some sort of a watch list. That's all I'm going to say. Hey, Chris, <laughs> and who to say he wants to play anyway? Truth be told. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but he's sitting in the back and playing a third stream. You making that kind of money? You know, hey, kudos to him for, for picking up the paycheck. But you can look at it and say, hey, do you really want to play? Well, I don't know, man. I think he's a competitor. I think all all these guys want to play. You know, I bet if you asked him, he he don't want to be a, a number three quarterback. I mean, the guy's got some pride. He was out there toughing it out last season. I mean, you remember that game where they had to cart him off the field? I mean, that was pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and he was taking a beating out there. So, no, that side of him, I think he wants to play. I think he's a competitive guy. I just don't see it here in this city. Chicago? No, this ain't for you, man. This ain't for oh, you. Oh, man. No, nah, it is, this, man. This this is just a Fields town. I'm with you. Yeah, but yeah. Fields is going to learn a lot from folks, though. Exactly. So it's beneficial just to keep him around for a little bit, let Justin Fields get his feet wet. My, my thing is, to your point, DC, it would be good to have him around in Justin Fields' ear over the course of the summer, the preseason games, and if for some reason they can find a trade partner before they have to get down to the 53-man roster, I'm good with that. If he stays on the roster, I'll live with it because only in the sense that I think it only makes Justin Fields better in the future. you know. But we'll see how it all shapes up. Speaking of the future, and the team that I think has a really bright future, guys, is the Chicago Sky. They've moved up to third in the power rankings right now, and they're only trailing the Seattle Storm and the Las Vegas Aces. And if you guys all know about WNBA basketball, the Seattle Storm are the defending champs. So the Chicago Sky are in a really good spot here. Fellas, how are you feeling about this team as they are approaching the Olympic break here? I'm feeling pretty good about them, Press. You have Copper. You know, you have Kedis Parker. They are playing very well together. They really are, man. And they didn't just make an all-star team just by making it, man. And I'll say this one thing about Copper, man. She actually has elevated her game. with, I mean, be, being the leading scorer of this team, Perez, and really just, I mean, the way she's attacking the basket, the way she elevated her game defensively as well, she's really a star player in this league. And it's not a shocker to see her doing what she's doing, man. So the way this team is operating, man, you know, under the, under the good coach, they're doing very well together, and they all fit each other. I'm glad that you brought that up, A-Dub, because – Coaching is understated in not just basketball and a lot of sports, man. And, and you got to give props where props are due. The sky, James Wade was named WNBA coach of the month for June at an eight and four record, seven game win streak. So without that type of leadership, getting these ladies to, to gel and, and just put their nose down and go after it, you know, Who's to say they'd be in the mix right now? Yeah, they have the talent, but you also need somebody to orchestrate that talent, to direct that talent, to guide that talent, to motivate that talent. That was Mr. Wade there. So props to him. Uh, That's a really good point, because if you look at this organization, the month of June was very good for the Chicago Sky, and it was a historic month for them. And I was really proud of just the effort, because as I mentioned on last week's show, 
there were a lot of injuries on this team, and it could have derailed their season. I mean, Candace Parker was out. There were a lot of key players who were out. And Courtney Vandersloot, she held the ship together. And she's also someone that made the All-Star team. We talked about her last week. So when you look at this team, they have really good pieces. They have a really high offensive rating. I think they're even second in the league. I, I Don't quote me on that, but I know that they're really high in offensive rating. So these girls can score the ball now. Their scoring average is up there. They shoot the ball very well. And it's Adele's point about Copper. She gets to the basket at any time she wants to, and she has really imposed her will on the league. And so this is a very exciting team. A-Dub and I will be going to the game on Saturday. I'm excited about that to see them play against the Mystics. Any of our listeners, if you guys happen to be at the game, uh, shoot us a message or A-Dub will buy you a drink. You know, he's the one that's got the money around here. So. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get up to you, friends. That's all on friends. <laughs> Stall him out, Debo. <laughs> <laughs> I'm putting my chain away. <laughs> <laughs> Mine's already here. <laughs> oh, man. But also, we got the All-Star game coming up. And I mentioned earlier that we're a game away from the Olympic break. So if our audience, if you guys didn't know, from July 12th to August 11th, the WNBA is going to go on break for the Tokyo Games. So that's just a little bit of a break time period here. So we'll be able to check the game out and then they'll go on their period of the break. But it'll be awesome to see the, the WNBA game because you'll have our Chicago Sky Ladies, Kalia Copper, Candace Parker, and Courtney Vandersloot. And they're going to be going up against that USA Basketball Women's National Team. So that'd be really cool to see the women that are going to be representing our country going up against the WNBA's finest. So that should be a really good matchup. You don't realize a lot of folks who don't watch WNBA, man, those girls compete if you don't watch it. I would, say, I would encourage anybody to watch these young ladies play, man. They give it their all friends. They got very good skills. I mean, you see how they get grounded defensively, how they play very well offensively. I mean, the best going against the best. I'll tell you what, they're the, they are the best. And seeing the USA team, the women versus the WNBA All-Stars, that's going to be intriguing to see, man. And I think it'll be good to see our three all-stars go against those guys, go against those ladies. And you know another point that I want to bring up before we move on to a, a topic that makes me really excited to get into? The women. A lot of people don't give them the respect and credit that they deserve when it comes to this basketball thing. I was at um, LA Fitness a couple of days ago, and I was watching a little pickup game in between sets. And I saw this lady, she was on the side dribbling and dribbling. And I guess she was waiting on next to get in or whatever. And all I kept hearing, like after a while, was just the oohs and the ahs. And I'm like, man, somebody must have got dunked on. I don't think anything of it. And then I keep hearing this noise. And I'm like, what the hell? So I like go and look. And this, this lady in here, she was hitting these dudes with some Allen Arvison like crossover moves. And she was tearing these dudes up. And I'm sitting here like, man, I'm like, she was just waiting in the wings to play. And when they let her in the game, she was running them dudes off the court. So my point is, is like, man, we got to stop underestimating this game. These women can play. Give them some uh, some kudos here and, and let's start supporting them. So me and A-Dub are going to the game. Any of our listeners, I hope that you guys will start to support them and start going to their games as well. Because there's no reason why, if this team is, is one of the top teams in the league, that they shouldn't be selling out their games. And they deserve they deserve it. Absolutely, Chris. And just like in an NBA, people always say the NBA is a brotherhood. WNBA is a sisterhood. Mm-hmm. And the things that these women, women just naturally go through, they give birth, they come back, they bust, they bust each other up on the court. Just like you just said. <laughs> like they they go through a lot mentally. And then they each put the league on the on the on their own back. It's not just their last name on the back. They put the league on their back because they know they need each other to elevate the league itself. So, so there's a there's a camaraderie there, but there's also a level of competition to aid up. You've been, you know, ever since we started this this podcast, man, you've been been leading that 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 charge there. That these women are fierce competitors. So yeah, get out there, support with your energy, support with your money. Absolutely. So the part of the show that I'm very excited to talk about, and I wanted to get Brother Ado's opinion on this, Cubs, <laughs> as everyone knows, recently had an 11-game losing streak snapped. Ouch. Ado, what's going on with your team, man? This is crazy. Y'all nine games back in the NL Central. Like, dude, everything was all good a month ago. What happened? 
Prez. I want you to leave me alone, man. Stop picking on me, man. Stop picking on me, man. Don't do this to me, man. <laughs> I'm just sprinkling mama's cooking right now. That's all. What's man, up? Man, our boys been struggling. They really have been struggling. Uh, we've been struggling on offense, Prez. We've been struggling on defense as well. I mean, we can't hit at times, friends. And other times, friends, we can't even pitch. As you can see, we were up one game, 7-0. We let the Brewers come back and win that game, right? So we've been doing a lot of struggling lately, man, our team-wise. When we pitch well, we lose games still. Like, for example, we played a couple games against the Reds where we gave up three runs. That should be enough for a team like that. We should be able to score more than two runs against that team. But unfortunately, we did not. So that losing streak continued. So I will say, man, it's been tough for us to put together a winning game, man. It's been really hard lately. And while we're struggling, people are kicking us while we're down. So as you can see, <laughs> those losses kind of piled up on us, right? We couldn't be out that hole up until what? Recently, right? Yesterday or so, but we got to win. And so it's been a tough season. One thing I will say is that coming to the season press, I didn't expect us to do well, right. but we outplayed that. We really did up until the last couple of weeks to where you start to see us really show our true colors. Yeah, they are who we thought they were. For sure. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I mean, my point is, and, and just this is all jokes aside here when I make this comment, I think when you look at going into this season, when the management made the moves that they made that we've talked about before with, uh, with trading certain guys and not signing back Schwarber, as we mentioned, I think they were setting this up to be kind of a retooling, a rebuilding season, and the team got off to a decent start, right? So it was one of those right. things of like, oh, okay, well, let's see what's good. But now we're seeing, okay, yeah, this is what we were kind of expecting this team to be this season. So now, with that being said, fellas, now with this loser streak in play, the Cubs are towards the bottom of the uh, the NL Central. I feel like at this point, they have to be sellers. So I want to get you guys' thoughts on that prospect of what the Cubs could be looking at doing here before this trade deadline. Chris, I want to just say it. It's time for the Cubs to be sellers. You had a couple seasons to where you were actually on your way. As you saw, we peaked that 2016. We won the chip. Since then, Chris, the last couple of times we kind of go to play, got near the playoffs and got in there, we didn't look too good. It's been like downhill ever since. So now is really the time to where now you're starting to see, okay, this team isn't what it used to be. Hey, we got to retool. And at this point, start fresh if need be. And I think right now they're at a point to where they got to start trading off some pieces. Like you got to think about trading Chris Bryan, Contreras, Rizzo. These are guys who also have expiring contracts coming up. So you got to mm-hmm. pretty much make a move with these guys. If you're not going to sign them back, get rid of them at this point where they got some trade value. Like, for example, Chris Bryant has a lot of trade value right now because, you know, he's an all-star. And you have other guys as well, Krimble, who's making a lot of money, but he's also an all-star. So guys got value. So I think right now we're not winning. It's a good time to trade these guys. You brought up a point about the all-stars that you guys have. So shout out to Chris Bryant and Craig Krimbrell for, for making the all-star team. But I think that these two guys are probably going to be two of the hotter names on the trade market. Craig Kimbrell, when I think about him, I think he's the guy that they have to move. I mean, he's such a good player. He's rebounded. He had a, a so-so season last year, but then the season before was really tough for him. But now you see Craig Kimbrell being the player that everybody thought he was going to be. But I right. think he's the guy that they have to move. He's been awesome this season. I think that he deserves to be on a team that has a chance to win. And I imagine that he would probably want to be on a contending team that has a chance to compete in October. I would agree with that, Perez. Just going to say, if baseball were the Titanic, you can't let Chris Bryant be one of the guys playing the violins like everything is okay. <laughs> you know, the, the, the iceberg has been hit already by the Cubs. It's, it's, it's time to get these guys off off the ship, get them somewhere where they can, you know, flourish in their careers. Um, to A-Dub's point, it, it's time. But also, when you talk about Chris Bryant, that's one point piece of the puzzle of maybe moving him. But if they don't think that they can re-sign him, because Chris Bryant's going to want to get the bag. So yep. if they're not or if they're not willing to give Chris Bryant what he wants, and Aids are brought up who his agent is, Scott Boris. Scott Boris is not going to give out any sort of discounts. So <laughs> if it's a situation where they know, all right, we're not going to be able to resign this guy, you got to move on from him because there's some other names that you guys brought up. Uh Javi Baez, Rizzo, yep. Contreras. So if it's a situation where you know you're not going to resign Bryant, move him. Move Craig Kimball. It's fine. Because you have some other guys that you can rebuild around, like a Javi Baez or Wilson Contreras. Those are names that you can keep on this team. So when you retool it, maybe you get a bunch of prospects back in a Bryant trade or a Kimball trade. You see what that's happened with my team. We rebuilt 
and we retooled that farm system. And maybe it's time for the Cubs to do that right now with some of these big names. Yeah, y'all did retool pretty well. We gave y'all Eloy. We took that garbage, that trash um, picture from you guys, but it's all good. You know, that's that's what happens when you get fleeced. <laughs> talk about it at the top of the show. Can't hold grudges. <laughs> talk to him, DC. He did sound salty on that, didn't he? <laughs> he just mad because I got his applesauce. Yeah, I'm all about the mots. <laughs> yeah, whatever, man. <laughs> but yeah, you know what? It's not all gloom and doom for the Cubs, guys. I'm about to give them some kudos here. Patrick Wisdom, rookie of the month in June. Slow clap. That was too, that was too fast. We just a slow clap. Just a slow clap. <laughs> hey, hey Brett, enough of that, man. Enough of that, man. Enough of that, man. Give my man Patrick Wisdom some love, man. I mean, the guy got hot for a while, man. Right now, he got about 11 home runs out there. Been playing pretty well. So I got to get a rookie props, man. You love to see you know young guys come in and do a good job, man. So kudos to him. And I'm happy for him. We'll see you know, um, how he continues to play down the road. But so far, so good, Brent. The only thing about that is it kind of trips me out that they call this kid a rookie. He's almost 30 years old. I should be calling him sir. But no, he's... he's... <laughs> <laughs> no, good point, though, man. I'm with you there. I can't even deny that, man. Because you're right. He is at an age where you're like, oh, really? A rookie? Really? <laughs> <laughs> but hey, you know what? If if he can win uh, Rookie of the Year on that technicality, man, all for him. All for him. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even argue against that, man. I'm not even going to try. <laughs> My man. But I'm going to transition over to those Chicago White Sox, the best baseball team in the city. Still in first place, ladies and gentlemen. Steamrolling right now. Listen, that AL Central right now, we need to put the dirt on the Twins right now and the Indians and all the rest of them bums. Time to put these fools away. We got an eight-game lead in the AL Central. I'm so fired up about this team. So fired up about them. And you know what, gentlemen? We got rid of Adam Eaton. <laughs> I talked about on the last episode how he was ruining things for me, man. He got designated for assignment. He's off this team. And guess what? We're so loaded in the outfield that we're not even going to miss him. And to the point that me and DC was talking about earlier, Eloy is on the way back. That was the name that uh, the A-Dub uh, spoke about a little while ago. Yeah, we fleeced <sighs> the Cubs and got him. But now he's on the way back. He's starting his rehab assignment. And so now you got to look at what we've been able to do without Eloy, without Robert. I mean, we've had so many injuries on this team and they still are punishing the league. This is such a good time to be a Sox fan. It's a good time to be alive. I'm just, I'm just so happy <laughs> over here. Oh, DC, can you imagine what this squad's going to do when all those guys come back? Oh, it's going to be murderous. It's going to be murderous. And I'm gonna be unsufferable on this podcast. It's gonna be, it's gonna be, it's gonna be, it's gonna be glorious. What I will say, Press, is all the magic is happening for the White Sox right now. You hit a good okay. point. You mentioned that about the injuries that were going on, Press. And you guys are still doing well, holding on to this lead here. And matter of fact, that like you mentioned, that lead is going to get bigger when you, when everyone is back healthy. This is a time frame where you pretty much might think about going all in to try to win a chip. Because yeah. everything is clicking on all cylinders at this point, Perez. And when it's doing like this year, you can't expect this to happen the same thing next year because it don't happen that way. You know that already, Perez. Right. If things are going away, working for you, you take full advantage of it. So what I will say is kudos to the White Sox. Your pitch has been solid. Your hitters mm-hmm. are hitting, you know, um, one man go down, next man up and have actually produced. So from that yep. standpoint, you got to feel good, like you said, Perez, the White Sox fan. Me on the other hand, I can't hate on those guys because, you know what, just watching them play, man, I love good baseball. Those guys have shown me right now that they're playing some very good baseball. I respect that, A-Dub. Thank you so much. Because I will say this. You brought up the point about our pitching. Our pitching has been really solid. And just think about it. Giolito hasn't even really hit that form of where he was at in the last couple of years. And so can you imagine how our pitch is going to be when Gio gets back to pitching like he's supposed to? Because right now, you got Lance Lynn that's out there just dominating. I mean, every time Lance Lynn gets on the mound, he just looks like a South Side guy. He looks like somebody that lives in Bridgeport. Like, just every time I see that guy, he just looks like a South Side guy. Like, so for me, this guy, when he gets back there and he's pitching, I'm like, yes, yeah, sir, we're about to get a W today. He's a fan <laughs> favorite of mine. But you got Carlos Rodon. Woo! Now, let's think about the, the, the story about Carlos Rodon. He was somebody that they were writing off. 
The Sox almost didn't even bring this guy back. Now, he's a former first-round draft pick that went through a ton of injuries, but the guy kept working. He kept working, and guess what? He's an all-star. So not only is Lance Lynn an all-star, but so is Carlos Rodon. So that just shows you how certain guys, they have to overcome adversity, and he overcame adversity, and look at him now. He set himself up to make a lot of fucking money in this offseason. And the other thing I want to add to that press is like right now, this dude what getting about two, two, a little bit less than three runs a game, was getting about 230, 2.3 runs a game. The yeah. point I'm bringing that up to say this here, you can't pitchers don't always have that same type of season like that every year. You know what I'm saying, Perez? You know how it go, right? This year he's under under three right now. Next year he can go over three. You never know, right? So what I'm saying is really when you got guys pitching this well, you gotta you gotta roll with it, man. You gotta roll with this because you you don't get lucky like this, even with big name pitches. With all these big name pitches you have on your team, they don't always pitch great years, um, always. So you got pitchers pitching well. All you need really is two to three press in the playoffs. Who's doing that starters? Man, that's when you really got to take full advantage of that. And we and we got those, you know. So yep. that, that's the thing. So yeah, it, it's just very exciting. Uh, Carlos Rodon, I just have all the respect for him. Anybody that's over, able to overcome adversity. I mean, we talk about the respect that each of us have for Derrick Rose. All the injuries and, and adversity that Derrick Rose has been in his career, whether it's on the court or off the court, he's done a lot to even put himself in a position to even still even be a high-performing player in this league. Carlos right. Rodon hasn't had that type of adversity, but it's still enough adversity that there people are writing him off. And I think that it's awesome story of how he's been able to make himself the story of the Major League Baseball season. He's got to be the comeback player of the year, in my opinion. Man, Prince, I'm not going to disagree with that. I will say a bounce back year, man. That's what you want to see. And um, hey, he he put the work in, Prince, and now he's just showing what he's able to do, man. So I, I'm proud of the guy, what he's doing, what he's accomplished so far. And I hope it continues uh, through the second half of the season. Yeah, we'll definitely see there. But one thing that it disappoints me and I want to get you guys' thoughts on this whole all-star game selection process. So Tim Anderson was not selected as an all-star. And that really bothered me because when you look at Tim Anderson, dude, two years mm-hmm. ago, he led the league in hitting. Last season, he finished second. And he's still hitting right now just a, a tad under 300. So if that's not consistency in this league, then what is? So my problem is when you look at a guy like that and he gets left off of an all-star team, I start to look at the process for how these guys get put on these all-star teams. And I still think that you have to take the fan voting out of their hands. Maybe not let the fans have so much of a part in it because some of this stuff becomes just like a big popularity contest and you don't have the best players that are being selected. We want you to get your thoughts there. Not just trying to be a homer about Tim Anderson. I do think that he deserved to be on the all-star team. But in, in general, I sometimes think that we have to take some of this out of the fans' hands. That's a big point right there. And, and not just in Major League Baseball, but you can look at it in other sports, too, because like you said, Chris, fan voting is going to turn into a popularity contest. We've seen it like back in the past where guys have been injured, but yet they, they're some of the leading vote getters. You know what I mean? Like it's it, it's it's time to, to take a closer look, put that under the microscope. But Tim Anderson is deserving. And unfortunately, everybody can't make it. But the thing that I know he's going to do and and use this for is motivation. So it's only going to just fuel his, you know, his abilities, his, his mentality as the Sox push towards a a postseason. because you know what, even though he didn't make it, he's going to let that committee know why he should have made it through his place. Just always let your game speak for itself. Yeah, man, I'm with DC from that standpoint. And it's, it's always tough, man, to see a guy like him get left off because we know how great a player he is, Chris. And sometimes with people voting, they vote for the same person several times, right? So you don't get one vote. You get to keep voting. So the same people who voted for these guys can continue doing so up to what, how many times? Four or five times? Who knows? On the different emails, whatever, they can continue doing that. But the point is, that's hurt. that hurts the game in a way when we have fans voting like that. Yeah, man, it's, it's tough. But like, like, like DC said, man, that's fuel for fire right there. I didn't make it. Now I got something to prove. So Ben 307. Yeah, and the thing about it is a guy like Tim Anderson, he don't need any more fuel in, in the tank. I, I think that he's one of those type of guys, has that underdog mentality. I really loved the fact that a couple of years ago when the Sox were going after Machado and Machado decided to go to San Diego. And Tim Anderson was like, okay, cool. We don't need him. I'm good with the people that I got here. And he did went out on the field and backed it up. So he talks that talk. You know what I mean? And I love him. 
He flips the bat. People don't like it, but he brings that excitement to the game. And one of the things that I really give him shout out to is when we were growing up, there were a lot of African-American baseball players. So for us growing up, we had the Ken Griffey Juniors and, and Frank Thomas's and guys of that caliber that were out there making plays and they were doing great things. And it brought us to the sport. But now you have a guy like Tim Anderson, who I think is a face of not only White Sox baseball, but he's a black player that's really going out there and really making this game popular. And I think that you could only build off of that in this, in this game. Yeah, man. And Tim is a fan favorite, man. I, I like what Brez, I like his demeanor. Um, I like the way he plays hard, I like his competitive nature. And I like him, man, to see him on television, the way he talks, man, the way he acts. You can see that confidence, that swag in him. So for me, I'm a fan of him. Yes, sir. Well, man, final segment time, fellas. If this city could talk. So I'm going to kick this one off, and then I'm going to let you guys close us out here. So if this city could talk, it would have a message to one Keegan Castile. If this city could talk, it would say to you, don't come to our city with your nonsense. For anyone that didn't see, Keegan Castile was arrested and charged with two felony accounts for aggravated unlawful use of weapons that were loaded. So he was arrested because he was at a downtown hotel room that was overlooking the magma, and he had a loaded rifle and loaded handguns. And luckily for us and people in the city, that a cleaning lady who was cleaning his room found the guns and alerted security, and they arrested the guy. Now, who knows what the hell he had planned to do, but I would say this, even if he was a legal gun owner, you don't have the right to travel from Iowa to Chicago with all that nonsense. And why was that shit loaded at the W Hotel? You went at a trap hotel. I'm just going to say this, Keegan. If this city could talk, keep that shit in Iowa. Don't bring that shit here in Chicago. We got our own problems. Well said, Perez. Well said. If this city could talk, it would say that we're actually tired of the shooting in general, man. I know we talked about this before, but it was recently, you know, we saw a cop get killed when he gets shot as well um, in the city of Chicago. And I think that this whole thing with, you know, minorities getting shot by cops, cops getting shot, this stuff has to end, man. It really does. And I'm tired of seeing this happen every, you know, every year, uh, especially around the summertime frame where we start to see those things. We can't enjoy our summer with all this shooting and killing going on, man. So at this point, if the city can talk, we say we had enough of all this, man. This has to end because all we're going to see now is things continue to get worse with how cops feel about us and how we feel about cops. We can't have that kind of division going on. Somewhere we got to do some healing and make this thing work out. I like that when they dub healing. I think that's we need to do more of that in this world. There's too much uh, resentment and pain and bitterness. Man, just just heal, man. So many damaged people out here. And when people are hurt, hurt people, they hurt other people. But that, that's a hell of a point there, A-Dub. Absolutely. Hell of a point, A-Dub. Um, my, if this city could talk, is going to go from the perspective similar to what A-Dub was touching on. You know, you, you got to stop the violence, period. You know, at the end of the day, you got to look at yourself in the mirror. And if you can't look at yourself in the mirror, then you have a problem. And what should you do with the problem? You should address that problem, find a solution for that problem. I recently saw that Illinois has awarded a $1 million winner for the vaccine lottery. Well, here's an idea. Why don't we have more lotteries and scholarships and incentives to just throw bags out there for getting guns off the street, for helping the efforts to find these criminals that are that are doing these crimes. And, you know, I, I get the whole no snitch and all of that. But, but honestly, though, if someone did something to someone you love, your family member, you want that person to be brought to justice. So we got to get away from that ego and start understanding that the person that we look at in the mirror is just like the person we look at with our two eyes. They're just another version of ourselves. So if you want to hurt another person, you're only hurting yourself. So why don't we just start throwing incentives out there, throw the love out there, throw the bag out there, do whatever we can to kind of clean up some of this mess in the city of Chicago, because we are the greatest city in this country. And I'll go out on a limb and say that. And I support that 120%. And those were some great, if this city could talk, because one thing I would say about what you're saying, DC, if we have the ability and financial ability to offer uh, money to people that are taking the vaccine, 
well, then there should be money available to help rebuild our inner cities. There should be money to upgrade the curriculums in some of these schools and get our inner city schools up to an equal footing of some of your higher threshold schools in the city. So we can't start to rebuild until we rebuild with from within. Our infrastructure right. needs to be rebuilt. So a lot of the problems that we have in this city, I think we could trace them back to some of the things that you guys both mentioned. We have to look within sometimes. We have to look at ourselves in the mirror and realize our part that we play in this. So when it comes to the no snitching thing that you mentioned, DC, I've always kind of gone back and forth with this. Yeah, I'm not somebody that's going to just equally run out to the police or, or things of that nature. But if I know someone that's doing some fucked up shit, man, and they're tearing apart our communities and they're doing things that are damaging others, I'm going to fucking say something. And I think that that's something where we have to get back to that. We have to get back to healing in our communities. We got to get back to having a sense of community because that left us a long time ago. When we grew up, our neighborhoods, they were our neighborhoods. We don't have neighborhoods anymore. And that's a bigger problem. That's right. And then here's the solution. So rather than run into the authorities to snitch, if you know that person is doing the fucked up shit, pull that person aside. Because the community, that village that should have raised that individual is failing that individual if they're out there doing the fucked up shit. You know what I mean? So we got to come back together to your point, Briz. Get that sense of community in, in all neighborhoods and all races in all parts of Chicago. Because again, like this show always says, it's Chicago versus everybody. So we all got to come together. Yeah. And the good points you guys both have made, man. This is a time frame when we need to start talking now. We can't be afraid. We can't operate with fear. We can't be afraid of kids. We can't be afraid of kids. We need to talk to these kids, mentor them, tell them what they're doing wrong, man, and be open and honest with them about that. And show our way of helping them out moving forward, how we can help them get past whatever they're going through, man. And I think sometimes it comes down to some love. And I think we need to give that to them. So it's not just everything going them. It's things that we have to do to help in that matter. So with that being said, guys, you all had some very good points. I think we all still got a battle that we got to fight together. Man, dope-ass shit, guys, man, on the way out. I love this, man. We are the Chicago State of Mind, and we are out. DC, go on and sign us off, bruh. Thanks for listening to the Chicago State of Mind. You can find this show wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you follow or subscribe to our podcast on your platform of choice. We appreciate your support of our show. If this city could talk, it would say Michael Jordan is and always will be the greatest of all time. The GOAT.